Hello, listeners. Welcome to this new episode of the Going Off Topic podcast, where two animators who can only draw caricatures. That's right. We're about as authentic as an anime that doesn't have an extreme close-up on a character's iris. <laughs> I'm Brandon. And I'm Chris. And we are staying on topic. <gasps> yeah, yeah. That's right. Hit them with the twist. Yeah, you heard that right, folks. We haven't done this in a while. Yeah, staying we're on topic. still going off topic. Yes, like, of we, course. For branding's sake, we have to say we're going off topic, but it's the staying on topic, going off topic. Yeah, I mean, yes. originally I thought it was dead because we couldn't think of anything else yeah. you know, to you know stay on topic with. Yeah, but you know, I think we covered all the topics. So yeah, I think we're good. Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and that's uh, pretty much it. Star Wars. Yeah. So yeah, that was those were the three back then. Yeah, but. We have a. We just have of to ours. do crocheting. That's the last one. Crochet. Yeah, crocheting. That's, very that's that's key. So hot right now. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hot in here. So, oh. um, but we do have a friend of ours who has a lot to talk about with this thing on topic oh, yeah. episode, and is our friend Isaac Miller. How's it going? Uh, it's going good, Brandon. And Chris, how are you both? (laughs) It's okay. I'm here mostly for decoration. (laughs) Well, glad to have you on, man. It's been a long time coming for, you know, being on here and just glad to have you at this really janky table that, you know, is very unbalanced, but, you know, we try our best in this video. We're saving up for a a oak table. Nice, nice oak mahogany Mahogany, yeah. Oak mahogany hybrid. (laughs) So you're probably wondering what our... um, are staying on topic is, and if you haven't figured out from the intro, we're talking about animation. That's right. We dropped hints. Yeah. It's going to be good. Oh, okay. And we oh. actually have two animators with us here, and I'm not one of them. So, Wow. <laughs> so that just leaves Isaac and myself. <gasps> wow. So how'd you guys get into animation, but, first uh, off? Go right ahead, Isaac. Oh, man, I want to hear yours, man. I'm super excited to hear oh, it. My you story know? is not nearly as exciting, and it's very, sh- <laughs> <laughs> very like, a- accidental kind of thing. Oh, yeah? <laughs> accidental? It was mostly just basically, uh, it was my senior year at Grand Valley, and I needed to finish one more class, and it was another film class, and I was looking at was available, and I was like, well, I don't want to do any kind of theory class. I've kind of had enough of that stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're doing animation. All right, I'll do animation. Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> and I'll just, what, do titles and stuff like that, or maybe some little bounce a ball across the screen. There we go. We're good. Right. And it ended up being way more than that, and in a good way. It was, uh, I think, uh, a moment in my career where – like wow this is actually a lot of fun this is really cool and Mm -hmm. i mostly focused on video editing for my entire time at grand valley and basically the problem us video editors have is if we don't have a camera we don't have money yeah we we don't have (laughs) footage to edit yeah if nobody's giving us footage to edit we don't have anything edit so no resources no no resources no assets so animation made it the workaround to that is like, oh, you don't have actors? Draw your own actors. Make your own set. And you don't have to pay anybody. It, it, so it's like animation created uh, an avenue for me to be creative and tell more stories and show what I can do yep. without needing to rely on somebody else getting me footage or lots of money. I can build my own assets, create my own characters, build my own set. Tell my own story. Yeah, that's that's really cool that you know you describe it that way because it's like 
you know, you bring your own creativity with these, you know, characters on screen and such. And, you know, most people are like, oh, I get, you know, you know, we have to apply these characters to a real person. But with this, you're like, oh, I can do however I want with this. I mean, obviously with the cast and crew, you know, you know, collaborating with it. But overall, like, you know, you can still like create whatever you want in a sense. And that's like one of the best things you can do possible. So it's it's one of those things where your character is always the ideal character. You don't have to go through casting and trying mm. to feel like, gosh, we're never going to find our lead. <laughs> it's like, nope, I got my lead right here. It also forced me to learn some kind of, you know, big programs like Photoshop and Illustrator. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm just recently starting to dip my toes into Flash, which is now Adobe Animate a little bit. Oh, right. yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is new for me, the frame-by-frame frame kind of stuff. My very first animation I did was actually my freshman year of college in... Mm-hmm. It was like this. I, I did it in Photoshop, and it was frame by frame. Yeah. Oh god, that's intense, man! I can't believe you did that. Oh damn! And so basically, it was just like this guy, this this person going through their life, and it just shows them walking like in place on in the center of the screen, but they're yeah. walking, and all this stuff is passing, and he's going through his life, and he's going through his life stages. And everything is black and white, and his God. life is kind of dreary. Sounds depressing. It's very depressing. It sounds like a film student's uh, yeah. oh, entry yeah. uh, <laughs> into oh, the major. It gets better. <laughs> uh, and then the character just has a heart attack, and he just dies, and the screen fades to white. And then all of a sudden, we're in a graveyard scene, and all of a sudden, the hand comes out from the the, the, the grave, okay. yeah. and it's a colorful hand. Oh, and he funny. puts his hand down uh, as he's cl- getting out of the, the grave, and all of a sudden the world comes to color, and he ha- finally has achieved happiness as a zombie. And he goes <laughs> out God, that's so funny. Living as a zombie, and uh, he like finds this grave digger, and he's just you know kind of black and white still, and he's enjoying his evening, just kind of whistling to himself. And then the zombie, and I did all the sound effects, so yeah. the zombie slides on screen and is just like... Ugh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> eats the grave digger, and then he's just. Or wait, no, he doesn't eat the grave digger. Bites him. Yeah, no, he bites him. He turns into a zombie, and then both of them are laughing together, and that's how it ends. And it's like he found <laughs> happiness. Eventually, if, he found happiness. If you had to give this a title, if you didn't, what would it, what was it called? Oh gosh, I can't even remember what it was called. And I'm, gosh, yeah, it's it's been a while. How about uh, taste the rainbow? Taste the rainbow. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a nice title. I enjoy that. Yeah. I could taste I could the dig, rainbow. I could dig that. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's it's buried on some hard drive somewhere. I I don't even know where it is, but I know it's. I'm surprised I haven't seen this. Yeah, it's. Uh, is it well, cringy? It's is it rough? Uh, oh. It's very rough. Oh well, we'll oh, start yeah. somewhere, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know, like, um, I know I said I wasn't an animator, but I did one animation for Grand Valley. Um, it was for the uh, Anajam of like 2013 and whatever it was. And we had to like animate each each group had to like animate a ball bouncing onto the screen mm-hmm. and leaving the next oh, frame yeah. Yeah, that's for someone else common, to do. Yeah, and um, ball bounce is very standard, and so is uh, a sack of flour yeah. uh, walking across uh, uh, the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not too hard to animate in a sense. But I remember what I did was I, me and my friend Talon, you know, we basically did like you know, multi-plane um, animation. So like, you know, we'll have like you know two. I think it was like plexiglass we used. Like, oh, you did it like the old style. Yeah. Like, so yeah. like I had that's like, cool, though. I had yeah, like, that's really um, awesome. Cause like the ball was going through the sky and then I animated, I, what I did is I took some cotton and I kind of like, you know, sparse that to make it look like clouds. So I kind of like, you know, um, put it on top of each other, which each plain glass 
So that way it looks, you know, kind of 3D-ish looking. Like there's a background and like two layers of clouds in a sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was actually a lot of fun. I did like that a lot. But uh, yeah, that's my like experience with animation, like at all. So (laughs) that's pretty neat though. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unless you count like, you know, source filmmaker or Gary's mod, but that's nothing. That's really (laughs) nothing at all. So, (laughs) but, um, and the thing is too, is that, you know, your animation is also, you know, evolving as well. The listeners have already seen it through our social media posts Mm -hmm. with, you know, the Halloween animation and the Christmas animation, which was incredible, mind you. They both looked really nice, really clean. I enjoyed them quite a bit. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it was something also that I kind of just sprung up on Brandon. I wasn't, I didn't tell him about either of them. I was (laughs) just like, Hey, this might be a nice thing to do for him. And so I just like started doing these animations and then I like just give it to him. I'm like, Oh yeah. So what I'm really doing is just giving him a lot of sound design work that he didn't prepare for and now is suddenly just dumped on him oh yeah christmas is coming halloween's coming here you go here's a full animation do all the sound effects for i'm not gonna lie like the christmas one was kind of close call because it was very close because like we wanted to upload on christmas because that's when the episode came out Mm. but um i remember i'm like oh man i'm getting getting kind of rough in it right here because like you know there's only so much i could do and he has to like you know listen to it to make sure you know the rough cut's good and such but i remember i was (laughs) making changes and re-exporting stuff on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. and basically my family was downstairs waiting to open oh, no. the one Christmas Eve present and I'm like guys I just need one more second I gotta go back up and they're all just kind of sitting down there waiting for me and I come back down I was like okay now I'm good and then I get texts from men like okay one second I go back upstairs oh, yeah. <laughs> make these changes and then we'll be good yeah well it's, it's kind of funny because like you know on on Christmas Day I was with my parents at the time and you know we're like opening gifts and stuff with them like all right, I got to go, guys. It's 10 a.m. I got to upload the episode. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I have to, like, it's yeah. only took a second. Like, oh, no, we're good. We're, we're done anyways. You know, it's, you, we're just going to relax. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'll be back. Trust me. <laughs> the sacrifices we make for the pod. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, that's how much we care about it. You exactly. Know, we, we care about the listeners. We care about, you know, the guests. We care about, you know, the content we give. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can. I, I consider doing something for Valentine's Day, but I just didn't want to, you know. <laughs> Yeah, who needs Valentine's yeah, Day? Yeah, it's, it's a depressing holiday, so <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to, yeah, cross, mess with people. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's probably best. Yeah, it's kind of awkward. I'm still waiting on my Valentine's Day gift, so that's kind of kind of well, weird. Wait, your wife didn't give you Valentine's Day gift? Nothing yet, You man. didn't give her? Like, no, I gave her a lot, so it's kind of awkward. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just okay. whistling quietly. <laughs> wow. I'll just go sigh in the corner when she gets home. I'm like, so do you think that's coming anytime soon then? <laughs> or <laughs> uh, The Amazon Prime truck is just really late. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really, really late. The drone batteries ran out. We have to like recharge them. <laughs> yeah, but it's on its way though. But they didn't have batteries ready, so they had to they had to call another service to bring the batteries in, and they don't have the prime service. So UPS. it's yeah, just standard delivery time. <laughs> <laughs> but once those get there, then everything's gonna be fine. Of course, of course. Well, but what about you, Isaac? What uh, what started uh, your your path into animation? Right. Oh well, it's kind of crazy, man, because. Uh, I grew up like in a very religious uh, household because my dad's a pastor, mm-hmm. and I don't know why we weren't uh, allowed to watch like a ton of cartoons uh, like regularly. Like it was more like in portions, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which maybe was common back then. Maybe it was the whole oh, how are cartoons gonna affect kids type thing. I don't know. Sure. 
Um, but it was rare, you know. I remember going to my grandpa and grandma's and watching cartoons there, and it was like my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> oh, you I know. Bet. So grandpa and grandma were like, "Here's some cartoons, fellas." <laughs> or, <laughs> oh hell yeah! <laughs> or fellas and fellettes, if if you had uh, sisters. I, I got know. one sister. Okay, yeah. so fella fellette. Yeah, there we fella fellette. Fillet. That's so <laughs> <laughs> fella fellette. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense if you don't put too much thought into it. Yeah, that's probably the best. <laughs> like most of my jokes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Please. Continue. Oh, no, you're totally fine, man. Um, yeah, so it was like uh, eventually I was like, you know, I'm just going to try out making my own. Basically, like I asked for a camera like when I was pretty young. I think it was around the age of 12. I was like, or I'm going to ask for a camera and then I'll make like short films with me and my brother. Mm-hmm. I yep. didn't I didn't know quite where it was going to go. I was just messing around. And then I got the camera and I also got toys that same like birthday. Mm-hmm. And I got the toys and I set them on the table and I just knocked them down. I just recorded that. I don't know why, but uh-huh. it was a start. Yeah, it was a start of something. And um, I just started messing around with it more like, um, and then I heard about stop motion and I was like, man, I wonder quite how that works. So I'd take pictures of these little figures on this super shitty camera where they're like giant <laughs> yeah. pixels, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then I'd flip through them, like, hold on the next button, you know? Just hold down on it and be like, oh, okay, it's so moving like up. A, a clicker with the ca- uh, the camera. Yeah, click it really fast and maybe it'll be somewhat interesting. That's how bored I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so for our listeners who maybe don't understand what stop motion is, that's the process is is you have maybe a scene with maybe like uh, – in, in some of your work I've seen, it's yeah. like Legos. So we'll use Legos as an example. You have a Lego character maybe posed one way take a picture and then maybe move their arm just slightly up and then take a picture and then you continue a motion and that when you put all those pictures together it looks like you know an animation yeah. is happening yep that's exactly it it's a good good way of putting it in. <laughs> oh, yeah. perfect and uh so we've seen things like uh you know uh, uh tim burton does a lot of stop oh, motion yeah. Yeah. Uh, with nightmare before christmas corpse bride things like that yeah Ardman too they do quite a bit mm-hmm. also yeah, yeah. Um, I know there's a studio called Leica that does some of that stuff, oh, like yeah. Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah, yep. um, there was Missing Link. There was that Pirates movie that came out a while back, Coraline, um, Paranorman, like really fantastic movies. And, of course, my favorite stop-motion film, Fantastic Mr. Fox by Wes Anderson. Oh, my gosh. That movie is oh, gorgeous. I never saw it. Oh, like the animation, it is, either. the animation of it is just astounding. Like, you know, it's definitely like a Wes Anderson film. Like, it's not like different. But like that. animation. But the, you know, it's based off the Roald Dahl book, and, and it's just uh, it's incredibly beautiful. I cannot recommend it enough for any of our listeners here. Like, it's just fantastic. But obviously, me talking about it doesn't really like show any examples. So I'll probably have to show you guys after the recording. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like check out the trailer or something like that. Like you know, it came out like I don't know, like eleven years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's still like it holds up very well, and I'm very impressed by the animation. It's very authentic and like hearty in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's really, it feels more. It's like the perfect Thanksgiving movie, like aesthetically wise. Mm-hmm. Like it's like autumn colors. There were lots of oranges, yellows, browns, reds. Like it's just. Oh, now I want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> and so you you got into stop motion, and and so how. Would you say that was the first like dive into animation where it was like, "Yep, this is I'm I'm digging this." Yeah, yeah, it was most definitely then. Um, before that, I had um, I drew a lot. Like I'd always draw comic books and people. I'd always be in the corner drawing, but I never was that good at it. Like I was okay, 
like I remember being a kid uh, when I was younger, and this guy was he um, he made the Nemo movie, and that was hand drawn, frame by frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom knew him, and he was teaching a class in Grand Haven, and she was like, you know, you should go. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll just go for, you know, like why not? It'd be kind of neat. Yeah. Um. So I went, and uh, I look around me, and there's kids younger than me. And they're all doing amazing with drawing. Like, it was insane. And I'm oh, over great. here drawing practically stick figures. And I'm looking over there like, man, I don't think this is going to work out. You know? like the little girl looks up you like, hey, no copying. <laughs> <laughs> so you just thought, like, so how, how did you make out with the rest of that? Uh... Well, I went home and then I just was like, man, I don't know quite what i'm gonna do anymore you know because that was a big like uh almost like a punch to the gut because it was like man i really thought i was a decent drawer and then you see kids younger than you doing way better at it so i was kind of like oh man well this sucks you know (laughs) kind of thinking like oh man i might have missed my boss it's like you have to be talented when you're young and then that that's how it that's how artists start is they're talented young and then it progresses all through their life and that's yeah no i i shared the same kind of sentiments because you know i didn't start animating till gosh i might have been uh (laughs) and when i started uh you know animating uh in college and uh what'd you do to my mic uh well i was just saying that when i started animating i was (laughs) years old oh oh, and uh, (laughs) you know so i uh, i wasn't exactly a young spring chicken yeah and so uh, to this day, I still don't think I'm a good, like, drawer. Like, I don't think I draw well on paper. But when I'm in Photoshop or Illustrator, it's like, ha there's no rules. I can uh, erase when I want, and I can undo the undo button. If we had that in real life. Oh, my gosh. That'd be Oh, my amazing, gosh. It'd be man. revolutionary. It'd be the best gift to humanity so ever. Please. Every, well, then again, the prog- like time would not move. Everybody would be undoing everything. Well, oh, yeah. Wait, what? are you sure it'd be for everybody or would it be for that individual person? It's- if one person time. had that, then they'd be like literally the, the most powerful creature to ever exist. I mean, it's yes. like ama- like that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. If everybody had it, we would still be like it would take the equivalent of like a hundred years to get through one year, just because everybody would be undoing everything until they got the perfect outcome they wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, having the undo button helps because oh, I'm doing like a, somebody's cheekbone, and it's like oh wow, that's like pointy. What kind of? I mean, this isn't you know. This is what is this? Right. And Corella Deville. Corella Deville. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like you get to try so many more times. And it's like now this character is looking good. So like for Photoshop and Illustrator, I can illustrate way better than I could if somebody just handed me a piece of paper. Yeah. Somebody hands me a piece of paper. I'm drawing stick figures. Yeah. I mean, I still can't draw a good circle, you know, for the life of me. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I never knew if this was true or not. I feel like this might have been something that kids just told each other when we were kids. But it was like. Oh, if you want to work for Disney, you have to draw a perfect circle. And I was like, you what? Know, I just that doesn't like, sound right. <laughs> no, one of those like you that. know, like uh, like you know, things that just kids don't know what they're talking about. And they just tell well, each other you gotta you gotta do like SpongeBob, where you have to draw like you know a whole face first, That's and then erase right. it to be the circle. You know? Yep, and then you get to sculpting, where it's like I gotta lick the sculpture, or wait, no, it's lick the marble. Yeah, lick the marble, or taste the marble. What is it? Taste the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. Skittles, Chase the rainbow, challenge everything. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's something that I still struggle with in terms of the drawing aspect. I, I have nothing but respect for the people that can get a piece of paper and have do these complex drawings, or even just really, uh, 
cute or memorable character drawings, you know, even if they don't look like some complex, you know, DC character comic book thing, even yeah. if it's just like really simple, but simple characters that have strong characteristics that are memorable. Right. Yeah. I mean, like as a kid, I would just, I like never, Snoopy is a good example. Yeah. Like I would always draw for fun. I never like, you know, animated anything, but like, you know, I always like drew some of my favorite, you know, superheroes that I had from comics or whatever, or, you know, like some of my favorite video game characters, you know, growing up and such. And, you know, like it never really went that far, but like, you know, I was still doing it. That's what mattered, you know? So like I can still draw decent, I guess you can say, but like, you know, it's, if you keep, the thing is like, if you spend more time with it and the more involvement, no matter how old you are, like the more advanced and more better you're going to be at it, you know, exactly. If that investment is important, you know, cause without it, you're just kind of skimming it and you're only getting, you know, lackluster results in a sense so and yeah that's very true i mean you only get better at at anything really is if you jump in and you start doing it and you start practicing it yeah and i'm of the belief that you don't have you can be it's never too late to start any activity any hobby yep fit whether it's fitness whether it's you know music whether it's art whether it's writing i i think that there's really no age cap on it and it's all about the time you're willing to put into it. Right. Oh, yeah. I think either you're born with talent or it can be learned, honestly. I think so, too. I, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that was kind of an example I had, like, back when I was swimming, was there were plenty of, like, people who just had it. They just, yep. they just got it right yep. off the bat, and they were fast swimmers. Oh, yeah. But then you had some people that were starting with a fresh slate. Maybe they were they did a different sport or they didn't do a sport before. And those people ended up just busting their tails, you know, doing two-a-days, morning, afternoon. And eventually they got to a point where they were just as good, if not better, than some of the people who had natural talent. A lot of the people who I noticed, and it's not always, but some of them, who had natural talent would kind of rest on their laurels a bit. Yeah. And wouldn't push themselves to the next level. Whereas the people who had something to prove and felt like they were making up for lost time really started to overcome those people because they put that extra effort in. And I think that could apply to anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Well, a lot of uh, animation it is like the basics of it is you're just making something move. You don't have to be good at drawing. You're just making even SpongeBob is the simplest shape. He's a He's a square with hands and feet, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a whole lot to him, you know. And Patrick Starr is just a, a star, you know. Yeah. It's very basic, and a lot of the time you're just redrawing the same stuff over and over again, you know. Yeah. So right. you're bound you're, to get good at it over time, <laughs> just from the pure repeti- repetition of drawing the same thing over. And honestly, yeah. what you said right there is the best, like the most simple and straightforward explanation of what animation is you're just yeah. making something move you're drawing something to move and it's funny too because like you know you can tell with certain styles of animation and we'll talk about this later but like you know there's some people that are more like you know limited in how they draw because of cost effectiveness so like if you look oh, at the yeah. old Hanna Barbera cartoons from back in the day mm-hmm. like their torsos don't move but like their legs move and their arms are like you know kind of like staying in place they don't really move that much Unless they're shaggy, then they're like, you know, swinging around, you know. But, yeah. you know, like they'll move their head or like maybe like a little bit of a mouth. But like, other than that, they're very stoic, like for very the most stiff, part. Yeah. So, but it's, you know, yeah. But for the most part, like people really like to be more expressive with the limbs that they have. So, like, you know, there's a lot more fluidity in their animation and such. So, and isn't that interesting that 
I think most viewers who watch animations, cartoons, movies, whatever, uh, see that and they don't think anything of it. It's just, yeah, it's an animation. Yeah. And after I've started to really start doing more and more stuff, I started, you know, paying more closer attention. I started actually watching other cartoons. I'm I'm planning to actually get Batman the Animated Series, my all-time favorite animation. I love that art style. Mm -hmm. Uh, And watching it just to study how they did it. And I, I'm kind of actually watching Danny Phantom again, too, just because nice. I like that That's style, fun, yeah. too. And the thing I've noticed now, after you have some experience doing that stuff, is you don't have to animate every single thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what they had, the old animators had figured out and mastered was, what's the? this is a lot of extra work, just for what kind of gain are we getting out of this? We need them to be talking. We need this action. But otherwise, they could be standing still. And yeah. if you watch animations today you'll see it you'll see it in family guy simpsons you'll see it in everything it's mm-hmm. like if there's not a need for this character to do anything they can just stand there right and yeah. they can just be continued frames of them doing almost nothing but blinking well, i was gonna mention family guy also which is kind of crazy i think that's where you were getting too. if you mm-hmm. notice the majority of the time when the rest of the family's on the couch and peter's doing whatever you know your focus is on peter because he's doing the majority of movement and the yeah, rest yeah. kind of just blended into the foreground Exactly. Yeah, there's one where, like, you know, they go to the, um, the what's that bar? The Clam. Uh, what, what's the name of the bar that they go uh, to? Oh, the, the Drunken Clam. clam. The Drunken Clam. And, you know, you see, like, you know, Quagmire, Joe, Peter, and um, Cleveland all sitting there. Like, you know, most of them aren't moving any of their limbs or anything like that, but, like, their mouths are moving. But, like, you know, maybe an occasional head turn, but, like, most of the time they're very, like, in place, you know. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, what they're saying matters more than what is being shown, in a sense. Yeah. So that's one of the few cases where tell don't show <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> yeah exactly and uh it, it's just cool to see that something that you kind of learn when you're organically doing your own stuff you're like ah i mean it would look cool if this was the secondary animation that was going on if they were breathing or doing this it would make it look more realistic but gosh that's gonna add so much more work yeah. to my timetable that I'd rather just keep this still and move the limbs the way I want them or have them blink or do this. Yeah. And it's just cool to see it's basically other animators have already figured that out. And it's been like that for a long time where if they don't need to move that, if they absolutely don't need to illustrate someone breathing or doing something secondary thing, then they don't. So You've actually done some animations before, you know, you came to our work. Um, you yeah. did stuff for, like, Lego stuff on YouTube. Yeah. So I was wondering if we can kind of go, go into that really quick here. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Uh, so what happened was is I did the whole Lego thing. Like, eventually I learned um, I tried out moving around figures, like, you know, your typical action figures. And they didn't stick well. You pick clay on the bottom of their feet. The clay gets on the table. You constantly <laughs> got to wipe it off. So I was yep. like, man. If I pick clay under the base plates of, like, the Lego plates you can buy, I can stationary that camera and then move the figures around, and they click right in place. I was like, man, that's so that's so simple and easy. I'm just going to mess around with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know we talked about Chris's an- first animation briefly. Mine was terrible, man. It was so bad. <laughs> it, it was so bad. Uh, I had, like... 
a stormtrooper walking R2D2 and C3PO out with like a gun and it was like, you know, they would walk over two studs at once, you know, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, super jarring. And then Luke shows up like he literally appears, he doesn't walk into the room, he literally <laughs> appears and does a, a super shitty backflip and lands and then cuts off the stormtrooper's head and the end, you know, that was the first one. Yeah. And then uh I just kept doing it. This was back when um, we I didn't have internet at the time. I didn't know other people were doing this. I was just messing around. Yeah. And eventually we got internet later on, and I already had, like, a huge library of stuff I was doing. But I was like, man, is this good enough to upload? I really didn't think it was. Mm. So, um, well, YouTube, uh, <laughs> that's kind of the world of YouTube these yeah. days. It's yeah. A lot of people didn't have that thought before they posted. They were like, yeah, this is good. That's good enough. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. It's so true. People just upload just, whatever now. That mentality is completely gone. Yeah. yeah just basically w- whatever is the best way to put it. It's like whatever's yeah. on. All right. Yeah. Cool. It's like, Hey, I filmed a leaf falling from a tree post it. Nine million views. Nine million, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to upload it, like start uploading, just see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Um, I I was very small for a very long period of time. Like, I think I had one subscriber, and then it it slowly built. Like, over a year, I probably had, like, 100. But I just kept uploading. It was fun. It was something to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just kept at it. And... I can't remember. There was like a specific point where I think it it really took off. And uh, I think the first really big video I had was a SpongeBob short. It was um, it was just SpongeBob saying that that Patrick had his remote and he wanted it back. Super simple. It was really stupid. I made it in like um, probably a half hour. Like it was so simple. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But it got a million views like nothing. I think it's like almost four or five million now, which is insane. Wow. It's pretty nuts. And then I just kept going with that. And stuff after that really picked up. I think I I hit around, like it was over a thousand subscribers, which I thought was a lot at the time. Oh, at the time, yeah. Like it was a big deal. (laughs) Ten years ago, you know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then... um, Google actually contacted me, and it used to be really hard to get into their partner program. It was, like, a great big deal. They had crazy requirements back in the day. Now they've changed quite a bit. But Google was like, oh, how about we put ads on this video? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, go for it. And I was 16 at the time, and I told my brothers, I was like, oh, you know, Google's paying to put ads on my video. They didn't believe me, you know. They are like, <laughs> yeah. that isn't happening. Yeah. And I just kept going, and I... Got my first check from Google, which was awesome because it had, like, the little different colored symbols. (laughs) But I got it, like, it was forever later, man, because it took so long because I had to reach a certain amount of money before they actually sent out an official check. I I think at the time it was over 250 and then they'd mail one out because they're not going to mail one every month. You get, like, five bucks or something, you know. That makes sense. But I remember like showing my brothers that just rubbing in their face a little bit <laughs> wow because they didn't believe me you know i'd tell them this stuff and they didn't believe it well couldn't they just check the video and seen the google ad that <laughs> showed up <laughs> they're not gonna know man <laughs> there's ads nah. on everything on youtube uh-huh. they're just gonna assume it's probably a thing that youtube like, does i gotcha yeah yeah i mean now ads are like 
freaking everywhere. I feel like back then the internet wasn't as bad with ads back in. No, yeah, it's definitely they've definitely upped the ante. I mean, there are sometimes it's like several commercials on a YouTube video. Yeah, it's like like I'm just watching a tutorial. Like I'm just learning how to draw, like a new way to draw, and then it's Mm -hmm. like getting. To be fair. To be fair, uh, I constantly <laughs> get spammed with things, and this is, I guess, them doing their research correct on Chris. Uh, the the ads are actually things that I'm like, okay, yeah, that's interesting. I, I yeah, I like that. Yeah, well, they do target based on uh, based on the tags in the video. So yeah. they go, if you're liking this, you're probably going to like this, and that's yeah. how they get you. Exactly. So I'll be watching tutorials on, you know, drawing and different animation styles and different ways I could maybe do something I'm trying to do. And basically I'll get hit with, like, a Photoshop commercial or yeah. uh, Adobe Illustrator or Vimeo and all these things that I'm like, I, I you, you guys, I already use all this stuff, yeah. so I'm already paying for exactly. those things. <laughs> yeah. But The funny thing with me is, like, whenever I get... You know, I buy new audio equipment. Suddenly, B and H or Sweetwater commercials happen. I'm like, guys, I already bought it. Like, you already got me. Yeah. Already like, got it my already money. happened. Why are you advertising for me? Like, there's no point. I'm not going to buy any more money for quite some time for this, you know, new audio equipment or whatever. But like, it's like, oh come on, really? <laughs> yeah, it's weird how that happens because I just go off of the sites you've been to, and it's kind of weird if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh definitely. That's a whole topic in itself. Yeah. honestly. <laughs> without a doubt, man, I could go on and targeted on about advertising. That. Oh yeah, for sure. I know you can like select stuff like preferences you want for like what kind of ads you get. Yeah, which I've done well, personally because like there's some stuff I'm like I I don't care about you know local singles. Yeah, like I'm I just don't. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like you know you can like select what you want specifically and like oh I'm this I'm that you know and then you won't get some of the ads you might not like you might get some that you do like so which is at least a different change of pace compared to you know whatever you know? yeah <laughs> so exactly. like oh an ad for. Uh, tea cozies i'm like well i mean I like tea but you know if i I'm like, i don't really want a tea cozy don't really need it so my tea doesn't need to be cozy <laughs> what's well, it's nuts though if you think about it because like the other day i was at a buddy's house and he was talking about how he wanted to redo his ceiling and do like a star wars thing with like um these lights and stuff yeah a lot of it went over my head but i'm like <laughs> okay okay whatever you know uh-huh. like, no no joke a youtube video on how to make that like something similar with the ceiling and the lights showed up on my recommended <laughs> uh-huh. within an hour and it was like man that is nuts you know yeah yeah kind of one of those things like uh always listening somehow I, I always know. be listening. Oh, ABL, always be listening. <laughs> That's a good thing to apply just to life in general. I think yep. people would be more successful if they applied ABL to just their life in general. Easily. Always be listening. Yeah. More listening, less talking. And I guess that's all the time we have for our podcast, uh, which is mostly only talking. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna for the rest of the time we're just gonna stay quiet and listen to Let's all just listen. Probably my roommate's TV or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I heard dishes clanging earlier. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I mean, obviously, you've had like a lot of um, you know experience with animation, you know, with you know Legos and you know, also like two D stuff. Um, what's some of your like inspiration from like previous animators like in the industry, like you know, film, television, and whatnot? You know, because like I feel like. We always kind of draw from a certain source, you know, ha. more than else. Draw from a certain source. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> well, it's pretty nuts because John Lassender definitely is my like main inspiration. I think he's like our modern 
day Walt Disney in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and and who who is he for uh, audience members who don't know? Okay, well he's the uh, CEO of Pixar mm-hmm. right now. So how he, it started though is really nuts. Like how Pixar started and everything is really crazy. It's a whole yeah crazy story yeah. in itself. Yeah. Well, what happened was is we had. There was John Lasseter, and he worked for Walt Disney at the time, like the company. I think by then, Walt Disney was probably passed away. Yep, yep, he was. It was during the uh, 70s and like early 80s when they started to like, you know, try to revitalize the animation industry because like it was kind of going downhill a bit since his passing. So I think that's when it was, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think that sounds about right because yeah. uh, he was working on the Brave Little Toaster at the time, mm-hmm. and he brought it to like the executive and he was working on it for quite a long time it was like two or three years and it was a solo project if i remember right and he brought it up to him and he's like okay here's what's going to happen with the brave little toaster and we're going to make it 3d and he was like why would you want to do 3d because 3d was so uncommon nobody <laughs> right, yeah. ever did it yep and he was like you know he's the only reason we're going to do 3d if we were to do it is if it would be cheaper or faster, and it looks like, according to what you're saying, it might even be more expensive. So he fired him right then and there, and then next thing you know, John Lasseter is at some random, I think it was a conference, and George Lucas was there, mm-hmm. and George approaches him, and he's like, or it was somebody in the Lucas group, I don't know if it was George Lucas specifically, but yeah. anyways, they had, uh, they're working on Star Wars at the time, And they were like, hey, we need to do this scene. We don't know how to do it. And we heard a little bit about the three animation that he already knew. And then they dragged him over there to the Lucas studio. And they were like, oh, so this is what we're going to do. They didn't have a computer to do it at the time. Like a lot of the power it takes to actually do anything 3D is pretty nuts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Even now. Exactly. It's still not perfect. And it's the render times can just be insane, Mm -hmm. depending on what kind of machine you're working with. Drag your computer right into the ground. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) And they had somehow, I don't even know how this happened, but Steve Jobs got involved to make a computer to run it because they couldn't run it. It took like 10 computers or something crazy, and they're doing like some ghetto stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and they were like well let's make one based on it where it's Mm -hmm. for it so that's where steve jobs came in because he helped make the computer and they actually named the computer pixar which is really neat wow yeah i didn't know that yeah neither did that's pretty cool it's pretty crazy yeah yeah and then they took that and then um somehow it took off from there i think uh, i know john lassender did some short films that won some little i don't know if they're academy awards he won some type of awards for them any awards any awards? Um, it, it's a, it's, it's an, it's like awards for animation. There like, were short the films, awards. so yeah. that that would make sense. Yeah, and then it kind of just took off from there. Mm-hmm. And he's been involved with even like Disney animation, like you know, recently now with. Uh, um, I'm trying to think. Like there was a few movies. I think he did stuff for Moana. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Well, or, he's like, still the the CEO of Pixar even now. Yeah. So I bet he oversees quite a bit of it. Yeah, I wonder how that must be becoming the CEO, and it's like, well, I still wanna, still wanna do these things. Like, it's just kind of interesting to think about how, in general, with life, where you get so successful doing something, and it's like, now you don't have to do that. You can be a business person and head of all that stuff. But I liked doing that stuff. I, I want to still do that. Yeah, but now you're the CEO. It's like, (laughs) yeah, but I enjoyed that work. 
yeah, this so I don't know. I, I find that pretty interesting. If you're you know one of the animators working on something, and then the CEO just plops a seat down next to you, and you know starts uh, <laughs> yeah booting up the old computer and uh, doing some secondary animation or whatever in there too, that'd be pretty cool. Hey, you need help? You need a uh, you need a little like uh, background work? I can do it. You know, it's, it's not a big deal. Please, <laughs> please help me out. I need I need something to do. <laughs> someone comes around the corner, drags him by the ear. Hey, you're supposed to do CEO things. What are you doing in here? Come on, we got a business meeting. <laughs> oh, I don't want to do business. I hate numbers. Oh. <laughs> he's like in business meetings and he's like sneaking like a tablet and he's like doing some Wacom like drawings, <laughs> drawings on there. It's yeah. like, that better not be a tablet I see. Put it away. Uh, please put all tablets away uh, during business meetings. Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> you never let me have any fun. And I can't imagine going from a creative like part to that would probably be a big adjustment because i yes, do feel like I you agree. wouldn't get as much of a creative hand in it yeah i would struggle with it too mm-hmm. along with uh john lastner was there like anybody else that you like had any like you know had like some sort of like admiration for i think frank and ollie they have like an amazing book called the illusion of life and i think chris man you would go crazy for this book man because you can learn so much in such a short period of time so for our listeners uh who don't know who is frank and ollie uh, frank and ollie they're or for chris i know who they are but you know like yeah yeah um, well they're one of the like original animators from the walt disney studio they basically established the core elements of animation like the principles that are still in place today gotcha they established which is and saying that there's, it's still a thing and people use it to this day is just nuts. The principles of animation, I think, are, are pretty interesting. And I think listeners who even aren't really in animation or, or maybe even not even enthusiasts, it's still something that I think is pretty interesting in the process of learning how people apply a sort of theory to the way they do uh, the animation. Yeah. So if you want, we can dive right into some of that too. Let's go for it. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, Squash and stretch. Now, this can apply. Now, that's one of the main ones. I'm just going to go over six. There's 12 of them, but I don't (laughs) want to be here all day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But squash and stretch is something that comes. It's very common for people to learn with one of their first animations. I know you brought up the bouncing ball. Yes. Yeah. And... What's common with that is when a ball's coming down, it's going to stretch like if you're going to animate it in real life, it probably wouldn't do that, you know. But right before it hits the ground, it's going to be as stretched out as it can be. And then it once it hits the ground, it's going to go flat. But it's going to stretch out. Wide. Wide, yeah. Because yeah. the, the way it works is... Trying to think of the best way to explain it. Like this. it's visually more appealing in animation, even it, though uh, in real life it, it we don't necessarily see it that way. Mm. It, in an animation, it seems more. Re- oh, well, sorry, oh, that was almost a Baja right. blast all over the table. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, <laughs> Quick, uh, look it up. <laughs> when when you when you see it in animation, uh, when the ball is coming down to hit the ground and you stretch it uh, vertically. It looks like it's got this extra the speed, speed almost speed. to it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then when it hits the ground, it squashes and it, it goes flat. Flat, more horizontal, and it has a sort of rubbery texture when you see it at full speed. Um, so that is kind of why that's, at least I, I interpreted that squash and stretch uh, is used in that regard, is because it basically. 
makes something look more like a texture it's trying to imitate. Right. Whereas if it was a metal ball, there would not be as much squash no, and stretch. No, there'd be barely any. Barely any at all. Exactly. And there wouldn't be as much of a bounce on the next frame. So it would hit the ground, wouldn't really change shape, and there'd be probably one little bounce. Yeah, and one little bounce and then yeah. just rolling. I was like going to say, too, is that gravity and weight kind of like, you know, put like a little bit in, introspective, like with that animation. So like with the, if it was like a metal ball, you know, it might not squatch and stretch, but around when it hits the impact of the ground, there might be some dust that flies off or yeah. like, you know, maybe like a little bit of a crack on the floor or yep. whatever. Like, you know, there's some weight. Yeah, exactly. So like, I feel like there's some stuff like with like a rubber ball, it's more lightweight. So it's more fluid when it like, you know, you know, impacts a surface compared to like, you know, just, Oh, you know, I'm just going to bounce it. You know, like we, it basically adds less work for our, you know, imaginations in a sense. Like, you know, when we see it, like, oh, we can think that when we throw a ball like that in real life, but on screen, we are kind of just, you know, letting the animation do the work for us in a sense. Yeah. I think the most confusing part about it is it has to keep the same proportions. So if it's falling, how wide it has to be. It has to get that size from somewhere, yeah. so it kind of borrows yeah. it from the other part, exactly. which is where it's hard to explain. And, and that's something I still struggle with, too, because I don't really have a drawing background. Is you know, Luckily with computers, it's pretty easy to replicate something, but there are times where I don't rely on you know computer replication, and it is it can be very difficult to match sizes to keep it, things looking realistic. I've also learned I'm doing kind of a frame by frame animation right now on like kind of on the side and it's different for me because it's more of a character animation that, and I haven't done this in a long time and I'm learning that I do tests where I watch it in Photoshop just frame by frame, just to throw it up there and see what it would look like. And I mean, I noticed that when it's moving at full speed and you get it as close looking as you can, it's not as noticeable as you think it is when you're drawing it out in Illustrator. And I'm sitting there like, okay, the leg doesn't... I think this leg looks funky as I'm just looking at it. But then when I watch it full speed, it looks normal. So yeah. you, you can trick the eye. It's pretty funky how stuff actually works in the cartoon world yeah. versus the real world. Like, the next principle is anticipation. And the importance of this one is it's almost like a sprain, how it like coils up before it bounces Boing. out yeah 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 um like if i was to take off running right now right out the door a big part of that would be i'd have to build up kind of some energy so i'd probably yep. swing back and you're kind of preparing the viewer for what's going to happen next in the animation you're saying okay you know you're kind of preparing them by ha- starting it slow and then you go right into it mm. yeah. kind of almost like a punch if you want a punch to look really powerful when you're animating it you want him to lift up his hand and kind of go slow as he goes back but then it's going to speed up pretty quick because if you just had him lift up his arm and punch a guy that's not going to look good because the viewer's not going to notice it they're not going to know what's going on right so when you get that anticipation on you're going to notice it pretty well it's going to look pretty good Mm -hmm. it looks more powerful because you wind it back you know there's more force into it and then you know like with that speed it basically just makes it seem more sense cool, i guess <laughs> yeah well everything has to get energy from somewhere mm-hmm. that, that's the big deal with it like um superman before he'll take off flying off he's gonna probably bend down and then 
like squat a bit. Yeah, like squat a bit. Or me getting up. or me getting off the couch with a Baja blast. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's where I'll get my energy and then I'll stand up. Yeah. This this is not brought to you by Baja Blast, but you know, just in case. <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> it's our trial run for yeah. when Baja Blast is like, hey, going off topic. Yeah, you want some of that ad money? Yeah, here you go. <laughs> That'd be so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you're telling me I'd love some right now. Mm-hmm. Ads, not oh, not I was gonna say, as I yeah, I mean, and slowly gonna move it away from you, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the next one would be straight ahead and post to post, which is where uh, now this one's probably my favorite because it's something I'm still learning and it's so challenging to figure out because there's two types of animation straight ahead means you're gonna do one frame and then you're gonna do the next, and you kind of figure out where he's going, but you have to constantly figure out. The direction he's going and figure okay yeah. he's gonna go yeah he's gonna raise his hand but you draw each frame till he's fully has his arm raised whereas if you're gonna do pose to pose what you would do is you'd start him off with his arm down to where you want him to be and then you'd fill in the in-betweens and that helps because you know where it's supposed to go mm-hmm. whereas yeah. with uh pose to pose you're kind of guessing you're kind of going oh, okay i think you would do this and then that mm. so I still struggle with that too. Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. Imagine, it's a big thing uh, to figure out. Like um, back in the day at Walt Disney, I don't know if they still do this. It was more common with hand drawn animation, but I still use it, and it's helped me so much. Is you have your keyframes, and then you have your in between frames, and what I do is the keyframes, the main like big poses, they're gonna be extreme like. The animation that me and Brandon are working on with Billy, there's a scene where his mouth is wide open. He's completely off the ground. But before that, his eyes are closed. His mouth's kind of like, he's almost like gulping. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of hunched over. And then it's going, okay, so that's an extreme pose where he's gulping and his head's kind of down. And he's hunched over to his back arched and his mouth wide open with his eyes just gazing at this. Yep. And the big part is okay, that where he is where he has to go. And what's the in betweens and how many how frames am I going to get there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gets pretty complicated pretty quickly because yeah, there's so many other principles that go into going from there to there. But that's like the bare basics of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't think about that stuff like immediately. But when you actually have those like conducts there, like, you know, you're like, oh, wow, like there's actually a lot of like, you know, rules and methods put into this. It's not just like, oh, I can just draw whatever I want. Like, no, there's actual rules to apply to that to make it more like better than before, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I'm still learning. I don't, uh, the more I learn, the dumber I feel because there's so <laughs> many little things, man. Yeah. Yep. Like, um, one thing I learned recently was when you move a, like your arm, when you animate it anyways, you're going to have the elbow move first, and then every motion kind of goes and works through the tips. Like you're probably going to end it with the hand, that motion, but yeah. you start it with the more um, dominant feature and then go through the tips, which is nuts. Right, yeah. And then when you're walking or you're about to walk to somewhere, you look over before you start walking there because you're like, oh, what's over there? I don't know. So you look over quick and then you walk towards it. Mm-hmm. There's all these little things that people do that we don't even think about that we have to figure out and learn how to animate it. No, and I, I find a lot of, uh, you know, we talked about this a little earlier. I find it to be pretty fun actually watching commercials, uh, especially really flashy motion graphics commercials and then uh, cartoons 
and I enjoy kind of sitting there and mentally breaking down how did they do that. And if I can't figure out how to, how they did it, then it's a great opportunity to like actually go like explore it and research it further. Yeah. And then you find more ways to do things. And that's how I've found a lot of like growth in my animation in motion graphics is how did they do that? I can't figure out how that was done. And everything I can think of, it just sounds like that was a lot of work just for one thing. And then you find out, no, it's actually pretty simple. And that has been the most fun part about, you know, learning and growing is finding out, oh, it's not nearly as difficult as you think it could be. Right. And it helps to make it less intimidating to jump into, uh, you know, for, and this, I'm applying this to other things too, that people can jump into other hobbies and you find out, oh, this is how it's done. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly as intimidating as I thought it would be. Well, a lot of it is it's only comp- as complicated as you make it. Yes. You can make something super simple. Like I did that with the Legos and that was pretty simple. Now it's getting quickly more complex because there's so many other things that I realize have to go into it. Yeah. Um, another thing that I found super helpful is with the extreme poses, what you're doing, the reason they're called extremes is you're pushing those limits. Mm. You're learning what is the most extreme pose I can do from here to here. And that's the thing with cartoons is we love to see extremes. Like we love to see how far can a cartoon character open his mouth, and that's what makes it funny. Is because a normal person yeah. can't do it's those movements. Yeah. Exactly right. And we talked about this in one of my history of animation classes, which I also took my senior year. So okay, I had two two animation sort of classes. <laughs> one was theory, but I enjoyed this theory. And animation provides uh, a sort of medium for us to explore difficult topics and all kinds of topics that would be differently received if it was a real life video uh, presentation as opposed to animation where animation can take even more serious topics and make them more digestible all without a yeah, doubt which yeah. is why you see simpsons family guy south park you know those adult comedy cartoons like they can and even even bugs bunny bugs bunny can you know whack people with axes and it's not <laughs> it's like ah, ha, ha, that's bugs he's being funny yeah whereas if you have like a live action of yes. a bunny slashing at a hunter with an axe i mean kind of funny uh, but, <laughs> but but it's it suddenly has a different tone right whereas in animation the exaggeration already lets you come into it with a different mindset of it kind of makes it less of an impact yeah but something you can still learn from too yeah so there's definitely like there's a lot there if you think about it like you were saying with family guy if that was real life without a doubt that that should have been canceled it yeah. was <laughs> gone by now. oh yeah. yeah exactly so what was this uh book called that, that frank and ali did yeah it's the 12 principles of animation mm-hmm. that's that's what the book is called yes as the name of the book yeah and then uh another couple quick ones is as far as the principles go is slow in and out now this is the probably the first one a lot of people learn mm-hmm. in animation as to one of the principles because it's very common a lot of people bring it up but basically what it is is everything that is gonna move has to start slow you don't get your energy out of nowhere a car if it starts going it's gonna start slow and that's gonna gain speed you can't have anything really jump right into speed even if it is a superhero, you got to be able to see what they're doing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, it, it doesn't have the same realism of most traditional and mainstream cartoons. And something I guess we should also note uh, as we go through these is 
This is all subjective. I mean, you can oh, break these rules at oh, any time yeah, yeah. if you're doing it for a specific reason or if you're an experimental filmmaker or yeah. artist for no reason whatever. I mean, some. so that's something to keep in mind too is if you're making an animation and you're looking at this and you're like, oh, well, I didn't follow four, five, six, or seven here, so this isn't an animation. It's like, well, no. It's just something that helps – to create the realism and you can break these rules at any time you want. Yeah. It's all subjective. Oh yeah. I'll do something and I, I'll realize later on, I'm like, Oh yeah, I didn't follow that principle, mm-hmm. but I'm like, man, you know what? It looks fine. Yeah, you know, exactly. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to leave it. A lot of it, like you were saying, subjective, it's more what you think is pleasing. And a lot of that is your own taste. Like, uh, you're going to animate differently than I would animate. Yeah, and certain exactly. people would watch yours that might not watch mine, but that's okay, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I know like your guys's um, animations. Like, there's definitely you guys definitely have two different styles, mm-hmm. but they work in their same you know field. So like you know, they, yeah, your animation fluidity isn't the same as his. His mm-hmm. is more you know. Uh, sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm visually doing stuff here. Chris's animation is not as fluid as Isaac's in a mm-hmm. sense, but there's like certain like details that are in Chris's that are in Isaac's. So like you know, there it's what it is, but like, you know, there's like all sorts of stuff that you can like apply to it. So like you're not have to be like, oh, I have to animate like him, or like I have to do exactly like him, because otherwise animation is gonna be boring. Then. Variety is the spice of life. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason there's so many art, different art styles. There's a reason there's so many different type of cartoons and motion graphics and. That's what makes it so fun and so interesting is uh, even art styles I don't really care for, I'm so thankful they're out there because sometimes I think if you're a creative person, you can also learn from those people too. Maybe, and it could be as simple as I don't like any of the way this is drawn, but I do like how they did the movement of this character or I like that their, their elbows or I like, uh, oh, those elbows. Or, wow, I really like the way they curled this character's hair. That's a good Mm -hmm. way to do that. And you don't, it's not like you don't just steal it, but you just reimagine and reincorporate it in a different way that is, makes it unique in its own right. And it's a different hybrid. It's like a different type of dog. It's a different, that that is constantly, it's an evolution of art. Yeah, I got actually a perfect example of that. So, you know, there's Star Wars The Clone Wars and then there's Star Wars Rebels. Like they're like they're they're in the same world, the same universe, but they're two different types of animation, like in three D. So like, you know, the Clone Wars is more rigid and more, you know, like angular and such. And like, you know, Clone, uh, Rebels is more soft and, you know, like circular and like a lot of the round faces and such, like smooth as well. So like, you know, like there's definitely like, you know, people who like one more than the other kind of thing, but there's definitely like an evolution with that, you know, from where it started. And now Season seven of Clone Wars just came out on Disney Plus, and you can already tell there's such a huge difference in how they've like changed it. But they still retain the same style though overall. So like it wasn't like oh let's try to be like Rebels like you know or anything like that. It's they're doing their own thing still. You know, and you bring up a great point by saying that, and it was something I actually wanted to touch on too, is even the way you draw characters, it can change the tone of everything mm-hmm. because circular rounder characters implies a certain sort of huggable kinder uh softer less jarring yeah more pleasing so you think of like you know kind of like baymax from uh uh big hero six just big soft circular round very inviting looks like he'd be a great hugger 
which he he is. is. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And then you can have something that's more triangular with sharp angles. And that typically brings on a feeling of edge and unease and maybe even fear or intimidation. Yeah. You think of someone like, I think her name was, was it Yzma from Emperor's New Groove? Yeah. Oh yeah. She's very triangular and pointy and, so she has, so you can identify her more easily as the villain, and so having contrast, it's amazing how even just breaking yeah. it down to simple shapes, yeah, can change the tone. And squares are, you know, more like big and boxy. And uh, I've learned that when drawing characters, breaking it down even to their what kind of shape you want them to be can set the whole tone of what their personality is. Mm-hmm. With uh, Billy that we're working on now, he's very basic shaped. He mm-hmm. has a circular head, small kind of triangle. Torso. Triangle. Yeah, small tor- torso, yeah, and is almost like string spaghetti hands and feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very basic, you know, but it's like he's very lovable. The other thing I learned recently that I thought was kind of a breakthrough was that nothing in natural humanity or natural the natural world that hasn't been, you know, touched, uh, is really a defined shape. Everything has something that's not, it's like not, never really a perfect circle. It's never really a perfect rectangle, never really a perfect square or triangle. There's variations on it. And that has helped when I'm doing, especially character animation, that it doesn't need to be a perfect circle for that. In fact, yeah. it's it's kind of weird if it's a perfect circle. It's kind of yeah. jarring if it's a perfect circle. There needs to be imperfections to yeah. make it seem more like approachable in a sense. Yeah. Which and then you think about shows like cartoons. Let's say like take Fairly Odd Parents for example. Nobody's head is like a perfect circle in that show. It's like half everybody's oval. yeah. Everything is like <laughs> weird shaped. But it works for their character. Like, look at Mr. Crocker. His ear is on his neck. (laughs) 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 He has such, like, his his jowl is, like, so, like, like heightened. Yeah. Like, it's just weird looking. But we accept it, right? Yeah. And it feels true to his character. So that was a big breakthrough for me when I, most of my life, figured they had to have a perfect circular head. And I was like, I'm just making restroom bathroom sign characters. Like this, the, this that's like, hilarious. These, these aren't interesting characters because they're just they're too perfect. Right. And you think back to the episode of SpongeBob where he rounds his edges and he's like, "Hi, how are you doing?" You know, and he's just this this sterile circular <laughs> sponge. No, we don't want that. We want the the craters and the edges and yeah, we like our edgy characters. Edge, edgy SpongeBob. Uh, we we want something that is not perfect because it more accurately represents real life. That's a pretty good way of like putting it because, you know, like even with SpongeBob, he has a, he has square pants, but like if you look at him, his ed, like the lines are like a complete straight line. They're, you know, they're like squigglied in a way. Like you can see like, you know, there's holes in him and such. So like, you know, th- with that it makes him more he makes him stand out more. You know, like that way your eye actually goes towards it rather than, you know, oh, like there's a bunch of similar shapes in the background. I'm not going to pay attention to it. But if there's something that's irregular, your eye's going to go towards it because yeah. that's what everybody does, you it, know. It's kind of nuts because if you look at SpongeBob's evolution as far as, like, character design goes, he's actually changed quite a bit over time where he used to be a lot more triangular and then they kind of went in. Uh, not that he didn't have the squealies before he's had them since right, the yeah. beginning. 
but they become more and more circular as time goes on to make them almost more yeah. easier on the eyes, I guess. I will say, though, like, apparently, I, I was watching some clips of, like, the newer seasons of SpongeBob, and it's the art style is actually becoming a lot more exaggerative now and more, like, you know, outlandish. So, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, you know, their mouths get bigger when they yell or, you know, like, there's a lot more, like, smoothness when they move or, like, you know, twirl around and such. So, like, you know, there's... It's nice to see, like, they're, they're going back to, like, what they used to be, in a sense, rather than, you know, the very stale and brand, bland approach when they did those kind of, like, animations for, like, you know, in the 2010s, usually. So, it's just it's nice to see that, you know, back back to the old style. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really interesting because, like, a big learning um, curve for me that I learned over time was if I see something I like, like, if I saw that SpongeBob episode you were just talking about and I liked it. Yeah. What I would do is I'd actually download it, and then I would look at it frame by frame. I'd dissect it, be like, oh, why does it go from here to here? Why does it look smoother than mine? Right. Like, what's going on there versus mine? And I would just go over it and go, okay, that's probably why. So a lot of it can be learned. If you like a style and you want to learn it, just download it, study the frame by frame, and you can learn it pretty easily. No, that's uh, it's a gr- it's a great idea. I mean, the... Mm-hmm. the- for educational purposes that really could take it to the next level for a lot of people who want to figure out how things are done. Yeah. I, I can't believe I've never even thought of that before because there's so many times where I'm like pausing and then rewinding then pausing and you know, I'm, I'm not doing a very good job of like <laughs> studying it. I'm just like getting a vague estimate of how they did it instead of actually getting to see the process. Like dissected yeah. almost. Yeah. What I did was that I went on Google, I typed in scream GIF and then cartoon and then I went through them and I'd just look at them and go, okay, which scream do I kind of like? What am I kind of going for? And then I'd download it and dissect the frames. I wouldn't copy it exactly. I'd take little aspects I liked of it and I'd figure out, okay, how do I transfer that to my character? Yeah. You know, that's a big thing that was hard for me to learn, but it's really makes things a million times easier because I get stumped on the dumbest stuff and it's like, you know, there's tools there. The majority of animators... What they do when they, if you ever watch like Avatar Airbender, the majority of the way that one's animated is actually people act out the scenes and then they go over it frame by frame yep. and they go, okay. And it cuts down on time mm-hmm. dramatically. It saves a lot of time because you're just going over the motions that you already did. Yeah. And I think uh, the one of the first animated movies to do that, I think was Snow White, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's the first one, yeah. Yeah, those uh, a term known as I think rotoscoping is that right? Yeah, rotoscoping where you where you look at um, um, a, a film of someone doing something like a dancing like, you know, like with somebody, and you not necessarily trace it, but you gain inspiration for it and use that to your animation. So yeah, when you have like Snow White dancing with Dopey, you know he's stacked on top of the dwarves, you know, wearing that huge raincoat. Well, the original rotoscoping, it, she was just dan- like this, you know in person was dancing with this other guy you know they're just doing their thing you know but like obviously you don't draw that on screen you apply that with you know dopey and the dwarves make it more you know comical than what it was basically so you know, they, they would get that from like some sort of like recording they'd done before so that it gives artists some sort of like inspiration about to draw it basically oh yeah and then there for example like uh, there was a dance scene i had to do at, at work like an animated quick little dancing was like I don't know, probably 20, 30 seconds long. It's a little little longer than most things, but yeah, it was very difficult for me to figure out because I don't know how to dance. I'm not a dancing <laughs> person at all. Mm-hmm. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. No joke. It took me 
it took me probably 40 hours to figure out because there was so much that went into it. What I did, though, was I downloaded the music video from this song, and I studied how they moved. I'm like, okay, he's moving, like, a little bit forward. He's kind of going to the right. He has his hand raised. And I'd go, what would that look like to that character? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I would go through that, and then I would pick those keyframes, like those mainframes, of maybe you should be doing this here. Maybe you should be doing that there. Mm -hmm. And I went through that full 20 or 30 seconds. I said, okay, he needs to do this here, needs to do that there. And then I just filled in those in-betweens, like made it go from one to the next and figured out, okay, if he does this on frame 12 and then on 36 he has to do this, then what's going to take me to get from 12 to 36? Mm-hmm. No, that uh, brings up a good point about uh, reference images. And uh, I think that this was something we learned back when I was, in, you know, learning about animation in, uh, you know, Grand Valley. Uh, it's it's so hard to do any kind of art and or animation without some kind of reference. Yeah. And references can be all kinds of, you know, different you know, photos, whether they're photorealistic or, or other cartoon renditions of something. And it, they provide such good starting points for whatever you want to do. You don't want to just, you know, trace. That's not, that's something totally different. Yeah. But you can get inspiration for how the curves of like a building looks. And maybe in your reference photo, you got, these are too straight. These are too perfect looking. These are too, I want something a little more angular, but I like the proportions of where this is sitting in this photo. And so that's kind of the, the proportion rating I want to um, draw out to. Yeah. But I'm going to add my own kind of angular art style to it to make it look, you know, like what I'm going for. So reference images, like you were talking about, play such a huge role in all of it. Uh, like, you know, looking up a scream to kind of really exaggerate. And then you put your own twist on it to make it uh, work for what you're going for. That's a great way to put it. Oh, it's, yeah. Basically, you're just copy motion. Everything transfer can go from motion to motion. Everything transfers over. Uh, back to the principles of animation. I got like a couple <laughs> quick more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, arcs is a good one that I'm it? still learning. Arcs. Arcs. So yeah. Like ARC. Yeah, it's ARC. Yeah, and what that is is nothing moves in a straight line in real life. Nothing ever moves in a straight line other than factory equipment. Yeah. Like, um, or robots. If you're going to animate a robot, chances are it's going to move straight. Yeah. But a big deal with cartoons is you got to realize nothing ever goes straight. And that's something I still struggle with because it's like, how do I yeah, do that same. with a two-dimensional image? So, like, when Billy looks left, what does that mean? You know, is he going to, like, kind of curve a little bit with his eyes? Is his body kind of going to sway, you know, not go straight from one to the other? It's going to more along curve. Or a hand goes in the scene quick. You don't want it to be straight in. If you have it come up, say, from the top left to center, you'd want it to almost do that arc instead of a straight line. Yeah. And that just makes it look a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. And exaggeration is another good one. And that's, that's something we basically already covered. It's just where you push the limits of a cartoon character. Yeah, I, I mean, that's pretty much it I wanted to cover, so we can just bullshit for a little bit. <laughs> you know, like, just talk about whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I actually was going to um, ask, because, like, you know, 
obviously animation has been you know just explosive even more so because like you know back in the 20th century you know, like disney was in the forefront really but then once 3d animation came around then pixar came around then obviously they were acquired by disney but you know you have stuff like you know um, illumination dreamworks studio ghibli you know if you're going foreign um, warner animation independent animation you know you have stuff online and you know just kind of like the current state of like all of it you know it's like if you're talking like the big corporations become the film or tv to where it's like more you know low down where it's like you know just you know like like us really like doing like a little animation just for you know work or you know just like for your social profile in a sense so like obviously they're both different you know there's different like you know states with them so like you know um like the big film ones you know a lot of them are like let's put out more quantity rather than quality which i've seen lately oh, yeah. you know yeah. um especially i have my own opinions on illumination entertainment oh, man, because they're so doing understandable. it they're doing it more business aspect than an actual artistic standpoint they kind of cut a lot of corners they do. it seems um they do and i don't know if you heard but they bought out shrek like they brought out dreamworks i think it was specifically yeah. for shrek to reboot it mm. yep because if you look at the yeah, Shrek, Shrek franchise, Shrek, man, it's Shrek huge. needed a reboot. Yeah, it needed a couple more films. On it. There's just yeah. there's so much more to explore there. Shrek Lord. <laughs> Isn't there like six movies? Yeah, there's, there's four. already. There's four? Yeah, yeah. There's four oh, movies, unless movies. you count. There's a bunch of short films. If you count yeah. the shorts, we're probably in the yeah. 20s. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's stuff like um, Warner Animation where um, they're not as big big as they used to be really i mean like you know back in the day there was the short films they did for like you know looney tunes and stuff like that like they they were knocking out the ballpark you know but now like with their films it's kind of like you know hit or miss nowadays that's pretty crazy you know i never even really thought about that you Mm -hmm. know it's a very good point that they kind of have gone uh downhill as far as the animation industry goes yeah i haven't seen anything big from then in a while but they've been more focusing on television and direct-to-video movies like with the like the dc comics uh direct-to-video movies you know um like they made some amazing like dc anime movies um like with like batman and superman for sure but you know um with their theatrical ones once again i'm I'm really i can't really think of anything off the top of my head but you know they Last thing they've done recently that I can remember was Storks, which was like in 2017 oh, or 2018. That was a good movie. Though. Oh, no, I I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I forgot. Lego Movie. They did oh, that. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah, they, yeah. That was such a big breakthrough for animation. Yeah. I really think um, there was like a certain engine that went into place, like a animating engine that added these little scratches and little particles and everything to almost every scene to give it this stop motion feel yeah that i think was amazing it just looked so real yeah when i when i watched that in theaters i was thinking like wow they did a lot of work with the stop motion You're like no that was all cg it's like yeah. whoa that's impressive you know um but also i was gonna say i think one of the best like actually no it is the best animated movie from this past decade was spider-man into the spider-verse oh without a sony great wow that movie was absolutely incredible like you know not just because the story and everything like that but like the way it looks like it looks straight out of a comic book it's very creative they the way they move and like you know not really big spoilers, but like, you know, there's different Spider-Man from different universes and they all have a, their own unique animation style, how they move yeah. and how they like, you know, look around, how they talk compared to the others, you know, like it's very interesting. It was actually the biggest team of animators to date. I think so far. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's cool that like, you know, they're able to do that on screen without affecting like the frame rate or anything like that, you know, cause like, you know, you have, um, I'm trying to think, uh, 
Penny Parker, she was a lot more like, you know, very quick, you know, because she's yeah. very like animated, you know, inspired in a sense. You, you know what? You, you have, oh, go for it, go for it. You know what's crazy though that I found out and I just thought of it. I'm just like, oh my God, before I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but anyways, they had, um, they had, uh, maybe this is a spoiler, but eh, I don't think so. They had the main Spider Man. Like they had the. The Hobo one? Or are you talking about Miles? God. Miles. They had Miles. And then they had the Spider Man that was like a legit Spider Man. Like he was, you know, he had the gut. Yeah, yeah. He was a Hobo legit Spider Man. Hobo Peter. Yeah, there yeah. was Hobo Peter. But he had been doing it for a lot longer, you know. And then Miles was new to it. It's quick. He's like you know, very, very agile. Fast. Yeah, and he knows what he's doing. It seems like everything he does pretty confidently. What's nuts is he was actually animated at a higher frame rate to give him more confidence and uh, make him more fluid, yeah. which I don't think you would notice without being told that. Yeah. But that's how you you just look at him and you go, okay, that one knows what he's doing. And that one kind of seems iffy because his animation's a little more, like, jarry, a little more yeah, rigged. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another one looks a lot more fluid. Yeah. I never even thought about that until now. And it's very clear, like, when you do watch it, like, when, like, Miles runs in his suit, like, it's like, oh, yeah, he does run faster and quicker, you know, compared to everyone else. And, you know, the hobo Peter, you know, he's like very, not, I wouldn't say slow, but he's definitely slower than the rest of the people because, you know, he's washed up, you know? Yeah. So he's like, he's a little bit lazier in the way he moves and such. So, and what that should tell you is exactly what we touched upon earlier is it's all subjective and there's not one size fits all. And the reason animation and art in general is interesting is when things are done differently yeah and all of those characters move at different speeds have different ways of doing things but we all accept the way they do it because it feels true to their character and their world if you know they're coming from a different world or in occupying the same world yeah and it makes sense so as long as whatever you're going for makes sense to what you're doing then it works and it's just it's interesting to see that that's how that can play out. Right. There's some there's sometimes where like different companies kind of do similar animation styles. And next, actually, at the time of this when the recording is uploaded, um, the Pixar film Onward will be released. Oh, can't wait! And to me, yeah, that looks pretty good. It looks like a DreamWorks film to me. It does. The way it's like animated, oh, and, like, man. it looks very. It doesn't look really Pixar that much to me. You know, that's a very good point. I honestly did not even think of that. Like, it's not a. It's not a bad criticism. I'm just. No. I I noticed that. And I'm like, but it just a, feels. No, I get what you. Where you look at it, and it's like this feels like DreamWorks. This feels like Pixar. Yeah. There is a feel. Yeah. There's like a different. You, yeah. Now back to the whole Shrek thing. Do you think it's because Shrek kind of had that vibe, the mystical kind of vibe, and. From that to onward, I, I could see them kind of vibing in the same I mean, universe. I think Pixar's more cutesy. Yeah. I mean, like, there's... DreamWorks like, has got more of a darkness and more yeah. uh, definition, I think, to yeah. a certain extent. I think Onward kind of has that darkness a little bit. Exactly. Like, I was watching a couple of trailers that had yeah. a little bit of it, and yeah. I was kind of surprised. Um, I do know that um, with with more Pixar films, they're more bright, yeah. Yeah. And this one has a lot of like darker colors. So like a lot of purples, a lot of blues, a lot of, you know, darker greens in a sense. So like, you know, obviously they're playing with the, um, you know, mythical side of everything, but like, you know, it, it's very, you, it, it just doesn't seem like a normal Pixar film to me, yeah. you know? Um, but then again, you know, some other Pixar films do have darker colors, like, you know, Wally, for instance, yeah. you know, um, when he's on earth, Wally. you know, um, he's, there's a lot of like, you know, like trash of lots of browns and grays and blacks and, you know, dark amber 
oranges and yellows and such like that, you know, but like when you're on the spaceship, you know, like that's when it becomes, it looks like a Pixar film rather than like, you know, where it was before. So there's some like, you know, similar animation inspirations that they do. So, but yeah, I just, I thought it was interesting that like Onward doesn't really like have that Pixar style as much in a way. There's quirks about it still, like, you know, the way like some of the characters smile and like their eye expre- eyes pop out in their expressions and such. You know, it's that that's the Pixar style for me. Like, you know, the head goes back when like they're surprised, you know, you know, the m- mouth's wide open when they're happy kind of thing. You know, you can you can tell with that. Um, but yeah, but like it's just yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Like it's yeah. it's pretty nuts because uh Pixar in general, they always try to not do the same thing more than once. Like they always mm-hmm. fight two sequels. Four. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> oh my god. Is somebody okay over there? Oh, yes, it's, I'm a little sick. <laughs> that's what's nuts about it is they were so against doing sequels and they've done so many. They always said we need to do what's new. Mm-hmm. They always wanted to do something new where they could yeah. have new characters, have fun with it. They said doing the same thing over and over again. They're just like it gets boring, and sequels usually don't do as good as the first. Whereas I yeah. think they probably did fine in that aspect. So mm-hmm. I started one through three. You know, they were that was the exception for me. Like those three films were amazing, and then mm-hmm. the fourth one was just kind of just, eh, it's okay. You know, I, I like it's still enjoyable. It's still yeah. enjoyable, but like they, um, it wasn't needed. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to go in depth with it, the sequel man podcast talking about all four Toy Story films. And like, mm-hmm. if you want to go there check it out because they did a really good in-depth review of toy story for it which i mostly agree on so <laughs> um but simple shout out um but yeah so like pixar is interesting because like now it seems like they're going on back the path where they were before so you know they start with coco and then there's like you know onward coming out then souls coming out later this year you know it seems like they're doing original ideas again but i'm very hesitant because of the past 10 years they've been doing just kind of the same or like you know once in a while something really good would happen like you know coco or you know inside out and then you know kind of lackluster like you know incredibles 2 and you know i guess maybe get some hate from this but or like brave or you know like or anything like that so it's kind of like yeah well i don't know it's it's understandable it does seem like they've kind of been going away from that direction because they want to I think that's really where the Disney side came in is because Disney takes a big part now in Pixar, whereas before they didn't have as much of a mm-hmm. say. Uh, but I'm pretty certain that they're owned almost in the same realm now. I know they signed a contract. They kind of piggybacked off of yeah. Disney when they first started because they didn't have the funds. Yep. But I knew they only added like a three-film contract, and then they decided to keep it. But I think a lot of that is where the Disney company comes in. I bet they're really pushing those sequels because, you know, mm-hmm. they have Walt Disney World, which has, you know, the Toy Story Land, and they probably still want people yep. coming to that, you and know? And, of course, you have Cars, where, you know, the toys and merchandise are more popular than the actual movie itself. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. you, know, you know, every single kid, like, nowadays, like, has, like, a Lightning McQueen car or, like, yeah. you know, you know Mater. a Mater one, you know. And, you have thoughts on the movie whatever whatever it's you can have your own thing but like you know, uh, the, the merchandise the merchandise of that is incredible so that's why they've had like three movies and a bunch of like mater shorts or whatever it's because it makes money you know <laughs> um so it's it's kind of concerning a little bit but once in a while you'll get something where it becomes different from the others so like you know i haven't seen the movie yet but like you know there was that movie that came out on netflix last year klaus 
you know, they went back to 2D animation. We haven't seen like a major one like that in a long Disney. time. Yeah, you know? me too. And it brought out some like, you know, from what I've heard from people is that like, you know, brought out like, you know, nostalgic vibes like, oh man, this feels like, you know, old DreamWorks and old Disney is back again kind of thing. It's like, oh yeah, I, I miss that. Like I watch the old, you know, classics from Disney, you know, like every now and then and such. And, you know, I, I, I hardly miss that. Like 3D, yes, it is wonderful and it's beautiful to look at. But there's just something about 2D animation that just it just feels complete. Yeah, there's something way, that was kind of lost satisfying. along the way. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, I, and I'm not saying it's bad at all too, because I mean, if you look at um, Toy Story 4, like the intro sequence of them rescuing the RC car. Oh my goodness, that's probably yeah. some of the most realistic like water and like you know lighting effects I've ever seen in an animation film in a long time. You know, so it's well. Just like how fashion is uh, cyclical, I think that art can be cyclical too. And I think we are probably eventually going to see a point where Disney comes back to their roots and we yeah. maybe go through another period of uh, 2D animation again. Well, I feel like we almost go in a cycle, you know, yeah. where we want the older stuff. If you think about it, Disney is always about the nostalgic vibe. Yeah, they they, they piggyback on it. Yeah. You know, they count on it. That's why they're such a successful company. Honestly, I mean, like, that's done them from the beginning, really, too, because they've been adapting these stories that the adults grew up with when they were kids. You know, you have, like, the Cinderella fairy tale. You have, like, you know, all these public domain fairy tales, and they're like, hey, let's make movies out of them because, you know, people will remember that. It's a, you know, well known story. And, you know, now we get people like, oh, I remember watching those movies rather than the stories themselves. And then, you know, it just goes on from there. Like, oh, I remember all the Pixar films and all like, you know, you know, I remember Frozen and all these things. So it's, yeah, it's very interesting, like how they made a business out of that really, you know. I think a lot of it with the back to the 2D animation is I think we got bored over time. We saw the same thing. We got something new. It's like we got a new candy shop and we, yeah. we didn't want to go back to, you know, Walmart to get a candy bar. We had a candy shop, you know. Yeah. But it's kind of like, oh, man, I kind of miss that nostalgic vibe of going to the candy or going to Walmart for a candy bar with my mom type thing, you know. Yeah. The whole thing with Klaus that's really interesting to me is we haven't had a breakthrough in 2D animation in quite a while because nobody's doing it anymore nobody's really into it like they once were right with the 2d animation klaus though if you look at it and this is something that that's been talked about a few times before in uh the behind the scenes and stuff is you have it where it's a 2d animation based film but they take three elements as far as lighting goes into consideration like and they take it to an extreme of okay if that's over there, how's that going to reflect onto that person? Where's that shade going to be? How? Where yeah. is the light? They always take that into consideration. And it's weird because if you watch it, it almost looks 3D in a way because yeah. it's such a high-tech 2D animation. Like, they really put a lot of thought into it. Right. Yeah, it's... it's from what I've seen the trailers, it looks wonderful. You know, I'd honestly probably would watch it here soon. I don't care if it's a Christmas movie or not. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I, I still want to watch it because it looks really enjoyable. You know, and I heard my roommate he watched it and he said it was fantastic. He gave it like a ten out of ten. You know, so like that's kind of a big deal. I'm like, all right, might 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 as well check it. <laughs> it's pretty nuts though because we are going from we're reaching points in animation that have never been reached before, like with Toy Story four that we're just talking about. Yeah. The definition in there, if you look closely, if you zoom in and you look really closely, you can see so much going on with the toys and their design 
that has changed from Toy Story 1. Like, the oh, stickers yeah. are peeling in a little bit. Their feet are a little more worn. And as it goes up, they get a little more newer looking, but not really. Mm. You know, they just get a little better looking because yeah. they're on their feet a lot because they actually can walk and stuff. So they're more worn towards the bottom versus the top, you know. And then there's going to be gradual scratches on them. Yeah. And it's nuts. It's insane that we've reached that point where texture is so important in 3D animation to the point where it's almost like, I wonder what Walt Disney would think. Because he was always saying, if we can do it in real life, why would we animate it? And it's kind of like, we're reaching this point where animation almost looks like real life. It's kind of like, how does that really fit into something? Like Lion King, for example. Uh, Yeah. Why did we do that? We made something, quote, unquote, live action. And they said that, too. They said it was live action. It's uh-huh. kind of like, what was the whole point of that? We did something that Walt Disney, I think, would have hands down been so against. Yeah, it's it's not good. Like, you know, because you're giving an example like, oh, because masses are like, oh, I remember Lion King. I want to see it again in the different style. And, like, that, that's fine that you would want that. But... You know, they were basically making this film for profit. Oh, without reasons. a doubt. It There's seemed no like such artistic. a cash grab. Yeah, and I think it was in that animation studio, um, not studio, but like the graphic visual graphics company, like actually bankrupt because of the movie or something. Oh, really? I remember hearing something about that. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, because like they, it, this company helped out a bunch of other like film companies. You know, like they did stuff for the Sonic movie. They did stuff for um, Lion King, and there was another movie they did too. Yeah, so just like overall, I think... Um, it's it's sad that you know sometimes Disney makes these movies like you know for profit reasons and it's obvious you know and it's a shame but once again you know the audience has to like make a statement about it to say like hey don't do that anymore like you know we want something that's more creative and beautiful but you know it's kind of cool with um you know, the stuff we're doing like the in- independence like you know we can show that creativity and that beauty you know and what our art is and you know yeah we make money off it yeah sure that's cool but like you know we want to have that in the forefront first in a sense so um i don't really know if there's really much to go on from this but i feel like we've had a pretty good you know roundabout about animation so absolutely yeah so thank you again isaac for being on the episode oh yeah no problem anytime glad we can talk about animation and everything so and plus it's been a while since we did um yeah exactly we were due for one yeah (laughs) but thank you listeners for uh listening this episode and we'll see you next time see you later bye hello listeners thank you again for checking out this new episode of the going off topic podcast If you like this episode or hearing our lovely voices, go ahead and give us a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or a positive review on all our podcasting platforms, which now includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. For more information or updates about the channel, go ahead and check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Chris and I want to thank you again for listening to us going on topic. We hope to see you again on the next episode. See you around, listeners. Back when I was uh, wrestling in high school, there was... Oh, we this got a wrestler over here. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Coming to the yeah. ring, Chris X saw. Yeah. And I basically was standing in line with the fellas, and there was a referee who was kind of going over things, talking yeah. with us. And he was just kind of doing some uh, pre-wrestling uh, match banter with us. Mm-hmm. And he said something along the lines of, if you don't want to get beat in wrestling, don't be on your back. Don't get pinned. Oh, it's good. And it's, good and it's one of those things yeah. where you like hear it and it's like, wow, thanks for the advice. But then you sit there and think about it for a second, like, damn, <laughs> just don't get on your back. That's it. All I have to do is just not get on my back and I won't get pinned. And 
It didn't help me. I still got pinned. Oh, but, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, the, but I saw something. the lesson. I saw the you life lesson he was trying to teach me there. Yeah. You, know, you, yeah. Le- you learned something from this. Mm-hmm.